This week, Comics in Motion has an excellent offer exclusively for our listeners. TKO Comics is revolutionizing the comic industry. They have creator-owned series from heavy hitters like Garth Ennis, Jeff Lemire, Joshua Desart, Roxanne Gay, and many more. If you go to tkopresents.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the code motion20 at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount exclusively for Comics in Motion listeners. That's tkopresent.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the promo code motion20. Happy reading. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 21. Any of you regular listeners, I just want to thank you for being patient, as obviously last week I didn't release an episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon because I was travelling around the north of the UK with my girlfriend Megan. Uh, we recorded a podcast of our travels. It can be found on my other podcast, Genuine Chit Chat, if you are interested. But aside from that, we're getting back into the regular schedule and things, so here we go. I also just quickly wanted to add that my nose is a bit bunged up at the moment. I've got a bit of a cold. So if I sound a bit weird in this episode, that's the reason why. And if you're a new listener and this is the first time you're hearing my voice, normally it's a little bit less nasally. So just want to let you guys know before we get started. Now, the last comic I spoke about was Galaxy's Edge, but the week before that was the Vader Down crossover event. That crossed over the first run of Darth Vader comics with the first run of Star Wars comics. Basically, Vader got shot down over a planet. There was a lot of rebels there. A big fight happened. Dr. Aphra was involved. And then the rebels obviously escaped because they were the main trio or um, group of them, you know, Chewie, Han, Leia, Luke, and the droids and etc., they managed to escape, obviously, because they're in the main films. And for just some clarity, this comic, as well as the Vader Dan crossover, the first run of Darth Vader comics, and the main run of Star Wars comics, are all set in the three-year gap in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So that's where this one is. This still seems to be within the first year after A New Hope. So that would be between 0 ABY, after the Battle of Yavin, and 1 ABY, obviously after the Battle of Yavin. So it's around that sort of time period. I really would recommend people go and check out the other episodes of the show. Um, the Vader Down crossover is a pretty good one. I think episode 15 is where I spoke about Dr. Afra, and she is in this one quite a lot. She's one of my favourite characters that is canon that isn't in, or hasn't been on the big screen as of yet. If you want another introduction to Dr. Afra, there has recently been an audiobook that's been released, which is like... A sort of a, a her point of view in a lot of the events that happen in both this Star Wars comic, Vader Down, and also the Darth Vader comics as well, because the Darth Vader comics is where she was introduced. So if either you're not that fast about the details of Dr. Afro or you already know them, then obviously we can go ahead. I want to clarify, this is the third volume of the main run of Star Wars comics. It has issues 16, 17, 18, and 19 in it. It also has the Star Wars annual in it and one of the old Ben journals as well. Uh, for clarity, the this does take place after the Vader Down comic, as I've said. And the collection of this, people may notice, is that when I did Volume 2 a few weeks back now, when I did Volume 2, the it went up to Issues 12. That's because Issue 13 and 14 of the main run of Star Wars comics is in that Vader Down crossover event. Uh, so that's why it continues from Issue number 16 here. And for clarity, Issue number 15 was actually the Journal of Old Ben Kenobi. Uh, they feature 
every now and then in the main run of Star Wars comics, and I've said before, but once it gets to the point, I think it's around issue number 30, when there are no more journals of old Ben Kenobi, I'll then do one special episode just going through all of them, because they're just like one-shot comics about Obi-Wan on Tatooine. They're quite cool, but fitting them in here is just a big mess trying to make everything work. And just for clarity as well, there is also an issue of the first annual of Star Wars in this. A lot of the sort of longer-running comics in the Star Wars canon, they have each year generally an annual. Uh, often they are like one-shot comics that add a little bit of flavour to other parts of the canon. Uh, sometimes they're directly linked to the main run, other times they're just, as I said, one-shots. In this instance, it is connected, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically explain it at the end of this uh, in the volume is before but i think that story-wise it kind of works a bit better if we start off with issues 16 to 19 of the star wars comics and then just end with the annual because the annual is a really really fun read but it, it's just it gets a bit complicated if i explain it all first it makes much more sense if i explain it all afterwards so that's what you can look forward to in this few details about the release. So with Star Wars, the main run issues, I'll talk about the annual later on, the main run issues 16 to 19, the writer is Jason Aaron, the penciler is Lionel Yu, the inker is Jerry Alanguilan, and the colorist is Sonny Go, and on issue 19 was helped with Java Tartaglia. Issue number 16, which is the first of these, was released in February 2016, and issue number 19 was released in May 2016. The trade paperback collection of these issues, as well as the Journal of Old Ben Kenobi, as well as Star Wars Annual Number 1, that was released in August 2016. So into the narrative side of things, just to clarify from Vader and Crossover, I said it briefly at the start, but Essentially, the way it ended was the rebels, most of them, escaped, and Leia, Han, Chewie, Luke, R2, and C3PO have all got Dr. Afra essentially in cuffs, and Sana Staros was also involved. She was in volume, I think, one and two of the main of Star Wars comics. She was a, let's say, let's call it an old friend of Han's. They used to pull cons together and smuggling jobs and that sort of thing together, and she's involved in this one too. She's kind of working with them at the moment. So I'm just going to quickly read you the opening crawl, just for a little bit of background. It's an era of renewed hope for the Rebellion. After narrowly escaping another frightening encounter with Darth Vader, rebel heroes Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo take the evil Sith Lord's secret ally, droid, and weapon specialist Dr. Aphra captive aboard the Millennium Falcon. Now the mission to free the galaxy from the grasp of the Emperor continues, as the Princess teams up with smuggler Sarno Staros, while Luke and Han pair together on a secret mission for the Rebellion. So it starts off with Leia trying to take Dr. Aphra to Sunspot Prison. While they're trying to do that, Aphra breaks out of her chains numerous times, and they do eventually manage to get her there as planned. The Sunspot Prison has been mentioned a little bit in other canon content. In Star Wars Battlefront 2, the video game in the campaign, Inferno Squad actually fear surrendering to the Rebel Alliance because they're worried about being put into Sunspot Prison. And that was in 4 ABY. That was you know around the time of Return of the Jedi and things. So the Empire knew about this Sunspot Prison, which is yeah a place where Rebels locked up war criminals, other people who are, they would deem as to be dangerous and things like that, and bad to the rebel cause and whatever, and it's a really, really secret place. Sarno Staros obviously escorts Leia as well as uh, Dr. Afra to some sort of prison. They get her in there and things, and she gets interrogated, and Afra reveals nothing. Um, people know that she was working with Darth Vader because of the Vader down crossover things, but aside from that, they, they didn't get any new information out of her. 
And while this is all happening, there's some unknown people who are kind of scouting the prison, seeming like they kind of want to get in there and things. And while this is going on, Afra actually speaks to Sana while she's in her little prison cell, and they talk about old time's sake, or rather, Afra says, you know, let me out for old time's sake. Sana rejects that, and then Afra says, you know, what's your price? I'll pay you whatever they're paying you. I'll, I'll double it, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll do it. Get me out of here. And Sana rejects it. And while this is all happening, you've got Han and Luke on their special mission. Han gambles away the rebel credits in a game of Sabacc, which is, you know, quite popular in the solo film, if you've seen that. And he loses all the credits. Han loses his credits to a gambler who is a Dewatin species. Um, Dewatin have been in Star Wars a fairish amount. They're not like a forefront species, but they're quite well known and things. A couple of examples of this was in the Jedi Fallen Order video game, which is amazing by the way. There's a character who's the ninth sister. She also appears in the second run of Darth Vader comics, which is set shortly after Revenge of the Sith. She's basically an Inquisitor. An Inquisitor for anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars Rebels and hasn't played Jedi Fallen Order. They're not mentioned as much in other content, but they're basically just people or dark side users, or rather force users, to get captured by the Empire and Darth Vader and turned evil or helped them to be evil and they hunt down Jedi and things. So if you recognize the Ninth Sister, she's that species. But there's also a gentleman called Grum Garin who is in Maz Kanata's castle in The Force Awakens. Uh, in The Force Awakens, you may remember, there's it's, he's like a really, really big guy. They're kind of not quite reptilian in face. They're almost quite like dinosaur-ish. Um, but they're still humanoid. They're very big and hulking beings. And they've got like two sort of tusk horn things coming out of their chins. But the reason you may recognise him is because he's sitting on the sofa with this woman dressed in black. And when BB-8 is discovered, someone calls the Resistance and says, Quick, Resistance, BB-8 is here, come grab your droid. And someone else contacts the First Order, saying, the droid's here. That woman dressed in black, she's the one who calls the First Order. And that's one of the reasons they attack the castle. Um, and she was sat with this gentleman called Grem Garin. But back to the main plot of this. So Han says to Luke that he basically failed to cheat in Sabacc, and that's one of the reasons they lost, and that he'd be embarrassed if Chewie was there, he'd be embarrassed that Chewie saw that. When uh, Chewie wasn't there, so that's fine. Luke's quite angry with Solo, and he says, well, What are we going to do about it now? We're going to have to tell Leia. And Han's like, Right, we're not going to tell Leia. What we'll do, we'll just do a smuggling job. No problem at all. Then it goes back to the prison, and the people who are breaking into the prison, unknown to the rebels, they've managed to break into the prison, which is. This prison is f like. I'm not sure it's quite orbiting, but it's right next to a sun, like a star. So it's it's basically, they quote it as well, like near on impossible to breach. And being on the outside of it, trying to climb in, it would be, it's right next to a sun. So you'd have to have some pretty heavy duty armor to do that. But these people do have the heavy duty armor. They manage to break in and they enter sector Q and start to fire on guards. The next issue, number 17, uh, Leia and Sana discover that the units that broke into Sector Q and started shooting were all droids, and they were IGRM units, and they suddenly noticed that they were a distraction. While that's happening, the intruders take the warden, as well as the other staff hostage, and then start killing prisoners. So some of the prisoners in there are all going to be either insane people who just murder a lot of people, or they're going to be people who are Imperial spies, or people who work very closely with the Imperial. I think there's mention of, like, there's a moth in there somewhere, as in M-O-F-F, -F, not the bug. Uh, Tarkin, he was a grand moth, so he was very, very high up. Moths are very high up in the Empire, so that's what they kind of had hidden around in there. But these intruders start killing prisoners and things, and then Leia's like protesting to that, and then the intruders release 17 murderers 
where Leia is currently at with Sana, saying, look, you don't want to kill them, but you're not going far enough. You need to go far, further and further than you're actually doing. The Rebellion is not going to win this war because you guys aren't doing the thing which Palpatine and the Empire are doing. They will stop at nothing. They will murder people. They'll commit genocide. They'll do some horrendous things. And because the Rebellion isn't doing it, that's why you're going to lose. So I'm so to, he's basically saying, look, Leia, I'm trying to show you. If you can go these lengths, if you can kill these people, you know, they deserve to die. That will show me that you have enough strength and enough vigor to push through and beat the empire but if you don't do that then you're too weak and while that's going on back on Narshadar, which is where luke and han are trying to smuggle some things Narshadar is the main moon of nal hutter nal hutter is where uh, the huts are from which you can tell by the name you know jabba the hut and that sort of lot i mentioned in star wars volume 2 which is episode 13 of star wars comics canon uh i gave a bit more information about Narshadar and that sort of jazz so i'm not going to repeat myself but I just wanted to add that the bounty hunter Aura Singh, the Jedi Master Eeth Koff, and the Jablogian slaver Asmorgan, they're all from Narshadar. Uh, just for clarity as well, the Jablogian slaver Asmorgan, he's in Star Wars Rebels quite a lot. He's like a red guy who's normally dripping drool from him, and he's quite like a sleazy guy. He gets involved with Lando and Hondo. In series one and two, when you see Lando and you see Hondo, he's that person. Aura Singh is the bounty hunter who's like very, very pale skin. She's quite a lot in the Clone Wars. Also, she can be seen in Phantom Menace very briefly in the pod racing part. And then Eeth Koth, he's a Zabrak Jedi Master. He was in, I think, episode one and I think maybe episode two. Oh, I think he was in episode one and then they kind of like replaced him with someone who looks very, very similar, who has a very, very similar name. But I'm not going to get into that. It's a bit too complicated. But Eeth Koth does come up in the second run of Darth Vader comics. So, yay, lots of connections. So Han and Luke managed to get this smuggling job, and the thing that they're actually smuggling is nerfs, N-E-R-F. And a nerf, you may have heard there's a, quite a famous line in Empire Strikes Back, where Leia says to Han, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. And in response, Han Solo says, who's scruffy-looking? And I just think that was brilliant. The Nerf Herder, it's also in the Family Guy, I think it's Blue Harvest, or it might be something, something, something Dark Side, you know, the Family Guy Star Wars ones. There's a part where Leia calls Han the Nerf Herder, and he goes, you can't say that, that's our word, you know, referencing the N-word, which is the real-life N-word is much, much worse than a Nerf Herder. But a Nerf is essentially, it's it's a big cow. That's pretty much all it is. It's just a cow in Star Wars. So the Nerf Herder term, this is actually... The f even though the term's been used a lot and the t a Nerf has been referenced in other Star Wars content, this comic is actually the first canon one to show what a Nerf actually looks like. So yeah, it's basically just a big cow that smells quite bad, but it can produce milk, it has meat, it has hide, it has all the things that a standard Earth cow has. While Han and Luke are Nerf herding... Uh, Leia and Sana round up the prisoners that all got escaped uh, without killing any of them. And then once they've kind of got these 17 prisoners from one of the cell blocks, they put them in this cell together and basically you're like, we'll just leave them here, we'll go sort out all the other problems. And as that happened, the sort of leader intruder speaks over the intercom to them again and says, basically, watch and throws them into an airlock, as in they just get sucked into space. And as because it's next to a sun, they all basically just disintegrate straight away. And he says to Leia, look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. You need to kill these people or I will. And then it goes back to Han and Luke and they're basically being pursued by the Empire now. They're trying to smuggle these nerfs from the planet that they were on, or the moon they were on, Narshadar. They're trying to go to this location, obviously. That's what smuggling is all about. And the Empire, yeah, a few TIE fighters and things have seen them and they are 
they're trying to get them under the premise that they're trying to smuggle illegal livestock which is obviously why the, the Nerf owner wanted Luke and Han to Nerf Herd. I just like any excuse to keep saying Nerf Herder. I just think it just cracks me up. Back to the rebel jail. Uh, a droid approaches Aphra's cell, tries to shoot her, one of the droids, the IGBM units that in, intruded and invaded. Uh, starts shooting at Aphra, manages to not get a hit on her, and then Leia shoots the droid gets Afra out and says, look, we need to work together. Either you can stay in this cell and someone else will come along and they'll shoot you or burn you or whatever, or you can come with us and have some sort of a chance. That issue ends, and then issue number 18 starts, and it's got Han and Luke basically talking about freeing the nerfs, and I just wanted to read one of their exchanges. And for just some clarity, Luke had to bargain with the person who was doing the nerf smuggling, essentially. He got 5,000 credits. Solo wanted 10,000, but Solo was hiding on the ship. And Luke says it's probably because of him knowing a lot of people and losing other Sabat games and things. So Han Solo is quite notorious on Narshadar. So he makes Luke go and do it. Luke goes and does it. And then Han isn't happy with the amount he got. So now I'm just going to read that they're on this planet. The Falcon has just landed and they're letting all these nerfs free, essentially. Luke starts with, come on, you owe me on this one. You know you do. Hans says, owe you for what? For saving your butt, Han. I took out all three of those Imperial fighters. Kid, the way I was out flying those bucket heads, a blind Gungan could have blasted those ships. If I owe you for anything, Luke, it's for turning my ship into a barnyard. Hey, you're the one who decided to make me a smuggler, so I smuggled. I think I was pretty good at it too. Good smugglers make credits. We've barely got enough to cover the supplies we were supposed to buy for the rebellion. Let's hope you're better at scrubbing than you are smuggling. Because you're going to scrub every nook and cranny of that ship or Chewie's going to kill us both. Fine, I'll clean the ship. But first, come on Han, you got to let me. Just a few parsecs, that's all. Can't do it, kid. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'm sorry too then, I guess. Hopefully she won't be too mad when I tell her. Huh? Tell who what? Well, tell Leah how you gambled at Sabak with the Alliance's money. A few parsecs, and that's it. So they're in the Millennium Falcon flying in space. Humph, from Luke. And Han says, What humph? What are you humphing about? Luke says, I, I don't know. She's just a little more sluggish than I expected. Sluggish? Your brain's sluggish, kid. You sure you don't need to just adjust the... That's it. You're done. Get up. Oh, come on, Han. We had a deal. Then just slow down, would you? We aren't making a Death Star run, and watch out for that asteroid. I see it. I know you see it, I just want you not to hit it. I just want to read out that exchange, I don't do it that often, but I really I like the camaraderie of Han and Luke, I think it's great, and this comic only has like a couple of pages of Han and Luke stuff in each issue, and so I just thought that was quite a nice glimpse into, if you get this issue and you read through it, that's the kind of fun that you can expect from their little side story. Back to the rebel jail, uh, Sana is being choked by one of those IG droids that has left, and Aphra's on its basically at its back trying to rewire it in things, while Sana's shooting at her saying, stop trying to rewire it, just shoot it, stop it, I'm going to die, and Le Leia comes up and basically shoots the droid, and then says, come on guys, we need to move to the next cell block and things, while Sana and Aphra are kind of squabbling a little bit. While this is occurring, it shows a glimpse of the control room. This is where C-3PO and R2-D2 currently are, along with a couple of IG units as well in there. These IG droids are opening doors and things for the leader of the intruders, and it's seeming like that the leader is the only person who isn't actually a droid, but they don't have any facial showing or anything like that. They're wearing a helmet and full body armour. 
This leader then comes up to a prisoner and asks what they're in for, and the prisoner says that he slit the throat of three Jedi, which is quite a lot. I can't find anything else about that prisoner on there. I'm quite interested by their sort of backstory, who they are, whatever. But the leader basically kills the prisoner, and just as he does it, he says that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. And then after that, he says, thank you, I want to share my secret with someone that no one else can know. So he did that, and then it goes back to the trio, Leia, Aphra, and Sana. They head to the control room, and as they try and breach the control room where some of the IG units are, and where C-3PO and R2-D2 are, the droids say to 3PO and R2-D2, go to the door, stand in front of it, because if they breach, you'll be our shields, essentially. As 3PO and R2 go towards that direction, R2 pushes 3PO, and 3PO falls into one of the IG droids, who is dealing with the doors and things. While that's happening, the trio are pinned down at the entrance to the control room. There are other IG units around that are shooting and things, and they're getting pinned down. They've managed to kill a couple of them, but there's still one or two left. And then Afra's reprogrammed droid saves them, which it wasn't aware that she managed to actually reprogram that droid that was choking Sana, but clearly she managed to do it, and after it rebooted or whatever, it gets up and helps them. The trio get into the control room, and there's only one droid who is an IG unit remaining. They're on the floor with C-3PO on top of them. And C-3PO says, help me, I'm fighting for my life, while the other droid says, get this stupid thing off me. Leia stands on top of the droid on the floor, holds the gun to its head, and says, who's behind this? Who's doing all of this sort of stuff? And the droid says, if only I was programmed to laugh, I would cackle like a Kowakian monkey lizard, which is Silicious Crumb, if you know, in Return of the Jedi, that weird little weaselly lizard thing at Jabba that always does that horrendous cackle. That's a Kowakian monkey lizard. And the droid also says to Leia, he's trying to teach you something, the way you once taught him. And Leia's like, what does that mean? Who is he? And then the comic ends with Sana and Aphra are squabbling again, and they say... Sana wants to shoot the droid that Afra has reprogrammed, and Afra says, Come off it, Sana, this isn't about the droid. What happened between us was a long time ago. You should learn to get over your crushes. Sana says, And you should grow to get some guts and learn to stab people from the front for a change. Last warning, stand aside, Afra. And Leia says, Everybody stop yelling but me. I'm trying to figure out who's... And then she gets a note on the comms. Sounds like we got here just in time. She says, What? Han, is that you? And he goes, yeah, Luke and I got your message, so relax, will you, your highness? We're here to save the day. And the final panel is them standing outside the Falcon, we're holding blasters, and a silhouette of the leader of the intruders standing on top of the Falcon with two blasters drawn. So the final comic in this arc is issue number 19. It starts with the intruder who has Han and Luke tied up with basically bomb vests made of thermal detonators on it. And... Basically, the intruder says to Leia, you need to kill Aphra. She's the last person left who's a big Imperial criminal. If you can kill her right now, I'll save you and your friends. Sana definitely wants to shoot Aphra and is very much up for that, but Leia flat out refuses. The intruder then reveals that they are someone called Enib Ray. And then Aphra says, are we meant to know who they are? And there's a little asterisk there and says, if you read Star Wars Annual Number 1, you'll know who Enib Ray is. So I'm going to go into that after this. Enebrae's face is burnt, it's got like boils on it, and he says his touch will eventually kill me. Leia questions whose touch, and Enebrae doesn't really answer that. And Enebrae basically says, look, I'm going to count down from five, if you haven't shot Aphra by then, I'm going to click this button, it's going to blow all of us up with these thermal detonators, especially your friends. As he's counting down, he gets down to number one, and then 
layer sends a signal to R2 and R2 fires an iron pulse which disables all electricity in this local area and it also disables the gravity on the area they're in. As the gravity goes away, Leia and Enib start to fight and things, and Sana and Aphra start to fight as well. And just to clarify, I'll read a little bit of dialogue between Sana and Aphra. Aphra says, I'm starting to feel like this isn't the fight we should be fighting. Sana says, Funny how you didn't say that before my hand was on your throat, and I didn't want to fight you. I just want to kill you. And Aphra says, Okay, okay, you win. Sorry, Sana, I really am. I'm sorry about the way I left things. If you were a blaster, I would have known how to deal with you. Blasters I know, but people... Ugh, you're still choking me. Did you hear what I... And Sana says, you're sorry, huh? I'll show you sorry, Doc. And then lobs her as she goes flying and hits into Ina Bray as he's choking Leia. Then as his grip loosens on Leia and things, the trio, Aphra, Sana and Leia, all start to fight Enib. They manage to knock him out and basically KO him and... Then they get the control back of the prison because all the droids are gone, R2's in the control room and sorts everything out. And once everyone's kind of okay and things, Leia's talking to the warden and he says, well, everyone's accounted for either dead or alive, except there's one prisoner who's disappeared. And so Leia goes to find and track down Aphra. She warns Aphra about Vader and says, look, Vader's just going to kill you as soon as your usefulness for him goes away. You shouldn't go through with this sort of stuff. Then Aphra makes some sort of comment and then is like, wait, are you letting me go? And Leia says, well, kind of, but not before she has a word. And then Sana jump kicks Aphra into an escape pod. It looks like a pretty nasty kick. And then as Aphra's sort of disappearing into the distance in the escape pod, Sana and Leia discuss and they go, I wonder how long it's going to take for her to find those tracker we put in her clothes. And then Sana says, well, I wonder how long it's going to take us to find the trackers that she definitely put into our ship. Then Leia says to Sana, did you and Afro used to be... And then Sana very quickly shuts her down. So there seems to be hints of some sort of romantic entanglement back there. And then the last bit of dialogue I wanted to read is uh, between Sana, um, Han and Luke. So Sana says, you two are terrible at rescues. Han says, nice to see you, Sana. Hey, it looks like you and Leia are really starting to... And then Luke says, I got to fly the Falcon. And Sana says, Han, tell this kid he's not old enough to talk to me. And then she walks onto the ship and goes, Mother of Moons, it smells like a herd of nerfs in here. Which, once again, this comic really nails the humour of Star Wars on the head. And then as Enib is being locked up and things, he pulls out one of his teeth, and it appears to be some sort of lockpicking thing. It doesn't seem to fully explain it. And then, from what I can find online, there doesn't really seem to be mention of Enib after this. He does say that he's going to come back for Leia, and she's going to see his way, and all that sort of other jazz. So it might get explored in the new run that's currently being released of Star Wars comics, which is set between Empire Strikes Back and... Return of the Jedi, but there's no specific confirmation that's going to happen. And the way the comic ends is Scar Squadron appear and are basically pursuing the rebels. Uh, Scar Squadron are... There's a gentleman called Krell, who was the games master in volume 2 of the main run of Star Wars comics. He is basically part of it. He's like the leader of it, and he has a lightsaber. Scar Squadron has also been mentioned once before on this podcast, because I did an episode on the one-shot Last Jedi comics. One of them is the Storms of Crate, and the Storms of Crate comic features the Scar Squadron, and they are also in the main run of Star Wars comics as the antagonists for quite a while. 
And so that's the end of that arc. But I want to add in, as I said at the start, this volume does have the journals of old Ben Kenobi in it, which I'll be doing at another time. But it also has Star Wars Annual Number 1. Now, Star Wars Annual Number 1 is basically more information about Ineb Ray. So I'm just going to give a brief on the narrative of that. The one-shot, the annual, is actually really, really cool. It's very well written. The way it is is very, very good. So I would really recommend people go and read that because it, it works really well with this. I'd say... If you're going to be reading it, maybe read it beforehand, but it kind of gives away who the person is, and I didn't necessarily want to do that in this immediately. So, just a bit of information about the Star Wars Annual Number 1. It was written by Kieran Gillen, who's the person who's doing the first run of Vader comics, which I've been covering in this show as well, the crossover, you know, Vader down, that sort of thing. The artist is Angel Unzeta, and the colorist is Paul Mounts. And it's set on Coruscant after A New Hope, but it's set before Star Wars Rebel Jail, this arc. So Ina Bray is a rebel spy. He's working undercover as a person called Tharius Demo. He's got this monologue going on throughout the entirety of it, which is, is really cool. And he's basically working undercover as part of the Empire um, on the ground. And that's basically what his cover is. He gets contacted by Leia and asks if he can find and save some anti-Imperial senators who have basically been captured. He finds them after climbing and breaking into this Imperial Tower. He does a really good job. He's like a proper proper spy, you know, like grapple hooks and magna clamps on his hands and legs and things. And he manages to break into the Imperial Tower. He finds another spy who is also working for the Rebel Alliance. And then they manage to get the senators and he speaks to the senators that have been captured. And they say, oh, well, Palpatine is actually coming here momentarily. So it's a great opportunity for, you know, assassination. So then Ineb Ray, as well as the other spy he found, and another group of, there's another few spies with him, so there's seven in total. They find Palpatine in this room surrounded by royal guards. They go and to attack him, they manage to kill the royal guards, um, and then Palpatine escapes by this throne thing he sat on, basically starts to elevate and goes out the roof. Ineb pursues him, manages to actually shoot Palpatine, and Palpatine collapses to the floor, but then it turns out that Palpatine is a decoy. Ineb then basically sees that Palpatine's actually in a ship, a little bit higher up, like standing on the sort of landing pad part that opens up and is watching him. Ineb immediately starts to shoot at Palpatine, and Palpatine puts his hand and deflects the blaster bolt. Not dissimilar to what we've seen in Empire Strikes Back when Vader does it, when Han shoots him at the dinner in Cloud City. It's kind of like that. And then Palpatine tells Ineb to turn around, and Ineb is like hanging off the Imperial ship at this point that's flying away from the tower. He tells Enum to turn around and he sees the entire tower explode. As Palpatine laughs, he then uses force lightning on Enib, and then Enib just falls really far, and he just about manages to survive by pulling out a grappling gun. He then sees Palp on the, uh, kind of like the news, in a sense, like a news hologram, like a holonet sort of thing, and he blames the tower explosion on the rebels. And after that, when Enib's had his ego broken, he just watched loads of the senators and loads of other spies get killed, including loads of Imperials and a whole Imperial Tower, just for Palpatine to kind of prove a point and to crush the rebels and all that sort of stuff. And Palpatine was there watching it himself. He sees that Palpatine is a much greater enemy than he ever thought he was, and that Palpatine is just... He's basically perfect in every way apart from ethically slash morally because he plans things so meticulously and he does it so well. And then he basically decides that he needs to make harder decisions. And I'm going to close this episode with just reading the last bit of dialogue. As I said, most of this comic is actually in a monologue form by Enebre and it's really good. So to quote him, I thought of the once living Ash floating up and the man responsible and I realised how perfect he was. I understood it. 
A propaganda coup slandering the rebellion, permanently removing senators, a trap so irresistible to lure all the spies into Coruscant for a total material win. And he came along just to watch us burn. He's so good in every way, but ethically. I was a hero pretending to be the man willing to make hard decisions. The last time I make that mistake. Then it ends. And that obviously shows how he became the person who is the antagonist in Rebel Jail. How he went so far and he was just not good enough because Palpatine will go any lengths necessary. So I think I didn't want to read too much of that. I didn't want to give too much away of that because I think it is a really, really cool comic and I, I really recommend it. It's, it's quite different the way it's sort of written and presented and the artwork is really, really cool. So that's basically the Rebel Jail volume of Star Wars, excluding the Journals of Old Ben Kenobi. So I really hope you guys enjoyed that and things. Uh, next week, it's going to be the Chewbacca miniseries. That's featured in the Heroes for a New Hope collection, which is where the Lando comic, as well as the Princess Leia comic, both of which I've covered in this podcast previously, were in. And then the week after that, I'm going to be doing the third volume of the Darth Vader comics called the Shu Torrent War, which is set basically parallel to where this Rebel Jail was set. After that, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to go. I think I'm going to start doing some of the Age of comics. So just in brief, there's Age of Republic, Rebellion and Resistance. Each one has anywhere between, I think it's I think it's around eight comics. And each comic is a one-shot. It's just a one-off about a specific character. So in the Age of Republic, it's all set around the prequel era. There's one about Grievous, Janko Fair, Padme, uh, Anakin, Count Dooku. So there's quite a few of them. Some of them are really cool. Some of them are just kind of okay. So what I'll probably be doing is doing them in batches of two, maybe three. I'll probably say two is quite a safe bet. And I'll just make my way through them essentially chronologically. And I'll obviously mention all the other connections to other comics and things. Uh, the Darth Maul one, I actually think I mentioned in one of my very early episodes when I spoke about Darth Maul and his time outside of The Phantom Menace. So, so that's the kind of thing you can expect from the future. Chewbacca, then the Darth Vader comic, then probably the Age of Republic, a couple of those comics, and then it will come back to the fourth volume of the main run of Star Wars comics. So I really hope you guys appreciate that. If you want to check out my other podcast, Genuine Chit Chat, I have a different guest on each episode, ranging from authors, musicians, travellers, other podcasters, friends of mine, loads of different people to talk about a very wide range of subject matter. Uh, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, find me on all the social media places at Genuine Chit Chat on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Really appreciate you guys listening this far. Also on Instagram, I'll be posting sort of covers of, as in the cover of this comic, as well as the opening crawl and a couple of other little photos of it, as I've tried to be a bit more on it with that, as when I do comics. If you find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram and on Facebook, you'll see the photos of these comics as well. So thanks again for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. I'll talk to all of you next week, and may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org.